gonna sit right down and write myself a letter and make believe it came from you. Regardless of how your handwriting looks today, you probably have memories of sweating it out over school penmanship workbooks, trying to perfect the crosses of your lowercase t's and the curves of a script z. But what you might not realize is that the act of handwriting has a surprisingly interesting history. In a book called The History and Uncertain Future of Handwriting, Anne Trubeck explores handwriting's origins, evolution, and tries to predict its future as electronic communication replaces handwritten documents. It's published by Bloomsbury, and I'm very pleased to welcome Anne Trebek to today's Please Explain. Hello. Hi, great to be here. And to our audience, if you want to join the conversation about handwriting, you can give us a call at 212-433-9692. You can also write to us on our show page at wmic.org slash lopate or tweet to at Leonard Lopate. Uh, you identify cuneiform as the first writing system. When and where was it invented? So it was invented about 6,000 years ago um, in ancient Mesopotamia, which is a sort of you know, modern-day Iraq. Um, and the, um, the cuneiform is a writing system, and they would write it uh, very small little marks on clay tablets. And that was, that's really what most agree to be the first writing system. And uh, why did the Sumerians need to develop a written language? Well, obviously, there's a lot we don't know, but but what we have uh, left is are mainly administrative and bureaucratic uh, communication. So, you know, receipts if a farmer buys a sheep and wants to record that that sheep was paid for. So I'm assuming that not everyone could write at that time. Absolutely not. It was mostly the bureaucrats, the educated elite? Educated male elite for the most part. Um, There's some evidence that some women may have, have learned to write. Hasn't that been true of many writing systems about the history of writing? Right. So it's interesting. Literacy levels uh, actually do go up and down a little bit throughout uh, history in the West. Uh, For instance, in ancient Egypt, literacy was much more restricted than it was in in Samaria. You really were sort of the... It wasn't just the 1%. It was the 0.3% of the elite who were taught hieroglyphs. The Samarians, as you said, used a stylus to write on clay. Do we know why they began using a stylus or why they shaped it in a certain way? Couldn't they just use a finger or a stick? Well, I I think a stylus and a stick are sort of similar, right? Um, But, yeah, they're basically picking up a reed that can make an incision in a piece of wet clay. Did they take? Did they have penmanship classes? They did. Um, they the only school that they had was they were called adaba. Uh, I'm not sure if that's pronounced right. Uh, tablet houses. So what you learned in school was writing. That was the only thing you learned, and it took years uh, to master this writing system of cuneiform. We strive to have a kind of a personalized look to our writing, but you say that Sumerian handwriting was extremely uniform. Absolutely. Not even a signature? No. It, well, what's what's fascinating is, first of all, clay is an incredibly durable writing surface. So we have a lot of these cuneiform tablets left, more than we have, you know, paper documents, you know, from, from Greece or even the, the medieval era. Because papyrus can deteriorate. Exactly, and paper. Um, but clay is... is uh, is very durable, and so there's lots of these left, and that you could not tell one hand from another. It, it's as if a machine made them. They're so identical. But 
They every, the people carried around cylindrical seals made of stone that they would press into the wet clay, wet clay tablet to be their signature. So that's how they uh, differentiated themselves was from the seal, not the writing. How did the invention of papyrus and paper change handwriting? Well, it made it less durable for one. Um, the Egypt but did it become more distinguished, uh, more more personalized? No. No, you don't have the idea that one script is unique to an individual really to the 20th century in the West. When and why did writing evolve from symbols that were based on tangible objects to letters, which are abstract phonetic shapes? Well, I will, I will mention here I'm not a linguist, um, uh, but that would be sort of more proto-writing. Um, and then you have the, the development of cuneiform and hieroglyphs, which are writing systems that are different than an alphabet, mm-hmm. right? Just the way Chinese characters in Hebrew are different than an alphabet. Um, the alphabet was really uh, invented, you know, in sort of ancient Greece uh, just once in time and is really the most efficient uh, writing system that's been developed. But doesn't Hebrew, don't Hebrew letters function as an alphabet? Aleph, bet, gimel, dalet, hey? Well, the alphabet in terms of it being 26 our alphabet, you know, 26 uh, uh, symbols is is different, but there are definitely, there's there's a lineage, there's a sort of, you know, heritage that comes from the Hebrew, That's but it's separate. But uh, the alphabet really starts with the Phoenicians, doesn't it? Right, right. And then it, and then it, it, it evolves a bit uh, through the Greeks and then to the Romans. Didn't the earliest alphabets lack letters that served as vowels, as, as right. Hebrew does? That's still? right. That's right. When did writ- written vowels arrive? <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm giving you a hard time. Well, you know, these are, these are areas that linguists are, are, are better able to answer. Uh, but again, I think, you know, with the idea of the, of the A, B, C, D, E, you have the vowels integrated as opposed to, you know, with Hebrew where they're, they're separate. Hmm. Then uh, in Hebrew and back uh, in, in Latin until much later, letters were also used as numbers. I, I find that fascinating that uh, people didn't distinguish between the two. Uh, it makes for very cumbersome uh, math sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. You also don't have the idea, you don't have uh, spaces between words. You don't have punctuation. There's a lot of ways, you know, the, the writing conventions that we assume to sort of have always been around are actually fairly recent. Can we see some kind of progression from Phoenician to Hebrew to Greek to then uh, the Roman uh, letters that we rely on today? Definitely. I mean, these were civilizations that were influencing each other, for sure. And, um, you know, the the way that they wrote, you know, the, the, the tools and the techniques of handwriting, um, they definitely are very similar, and there's a, a sort of lineage there. And then Cyrillic, uh, which is developed later, changes some of these letters. Some of them look like like uh, Roman letters. Some don't. And some of them are the Roman letters backward. It's almost as though he wanted to refer to the Roman letters, but at the same time do something that distinguished itself as different. Sure, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, we have such a rich heritage of of just so many different writing systems. And um, we tend to project um, our relationship to handwriting onto the alphabet. But of course, there are so many other uh, writing systems out there other than, uh, than the alphabet.
My guest is Anne Trebek, who is the founder and director of Belt Publishing, uh, and she is the author of A Skeptical Guide to Writers' Houses, and now The History and Uncertain Future of Handwriting, which is published by Bloomsbury. This is WMIC, WMIC.org. I'm Leonard Lopate, and a reminder that we invite you to join in the conversation. You give us a call at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at WNYC.org slash Lopate, or on Facebook or Twitter, where handle is at Leonard Lopate. And we also um, have um, invited our listeners to write, uh, pick up a pen, write the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog on a piece of paper, take a photo, tweet it to at Leonard Lopate, and then we'll post some of our favorites on our show page at WMIC.org slash Lopate. And just in case you're curious, we've also posted some example of our staff's handwriting there. So you could, if you have a psychological bent, you could try to figure out which ones of us are are crazy and which ones are not. (laughs) And then... Some people actually look at handwriting as a way of gaining some kind of psychological insight. Absolutely. So graphology, uh, which is the idea is a, that you can determine personality through handwriting, um, is invented really around the turn of the 20th century, um, along with other sort of notions of the self. You know, think of Freudian psychoanalysis as being similar. And um, there is a whole you know science that is considered by most to be a pseudoscience, sort of like astrology, um, of determining one's, you know, are you unstable? Are you optimist? Are you going to kill your brother based on your... On the way you dot your eyes across your teeth. (laughs) There has been a certain amount of suspicion of of, uh, writing. Didn't Socrates warn against writing things down? Absolutely. Socrates was not a fan of writing. Um, You know, he argued that... uh, uh, t- in order to remember things, you, n- you need to speak them, that once you write it down, you would forget it. It, it escapes your head. He also thought that uh, knowledge and communication is best worked out uh, through discussion, and that's how you get a complex thoughts, and that writing was sort of dead. You couldn't ask the writer a question. But others believe that if you write something down, that helps you to remember it. And the irony about Socrates is we know about his ideas because his followers wrote his ideas down. Absolutely. And, you know, really you see with Socrates, there's been three main revolutions in in writing technologies. The invention of writing, the invention of the printing press, and and now the computer age. And with each of these moments, you have people uh, who are really, you know, upset about the changes and a sort of uh, holding on tight to the older ways, um, which often happen through the new way, as in Plato writing down um, Socrates' words or people typing now the importance of handwriting. Has there often been uh, a distinction between the way letters uh, are printed, for example, and the way they're written. For example, uh, we, when, we, when we write in longhand, it's quite different from what we will read in a book. The same thing applies to many languages like Hebrew. Right. So the Gutenberg Bible, right, so the first printed book, is meticulously based on Gothic script handwriting. It took a lot of work to to make these little wood, you know, types for each letter that would were very ornate to look exactly like what people were familiar with, which was a, a printed manuscript book. When did it start changing? 
So once people become familiar and and they and it's no longer novelty, then then fonts can emerge that are different. Um, and we really see this with the computer too. Um, early computer age, we have we have desktops, we have folders, we have files, things that refer to the print age. And now, as we're getting a little bit you know more comfortable with the digital age, we can talk about things like the cloud that aren't necessarily based on a print metaphor. Did writing elements uh, implements change as more and more people learn to write, and as writing became a less elite activity? I don't know if it's necessarily related to literacy rates, but definitely the history of writing technologies is a history of trying to be able to write faster and more efficiently. I'm thinking especially about the differences between a calligraphic pen, which most of us don't know how to properly properly use now, mm-hmm. and a pencil or a ballpoint pen. That's right. I mean, these have all these were all very significant changes that allowed writing to be. Uh, simpler and more accessible and less expensive. We'll take a little break and come back with more and take some of your calls. Our number here is 212-433-9692. Handwriting is the subject of today's Please Explain, and we're talking about it with Anne Trubeck, whose book, The History and Uncertain Future, is, is The History and Uncertain Future of Handwriting. It's published by Bloomsbury. Stay with us for more. We're talking about handwriting on today's Please Explain with Anne Trubeck, who's written a book called The History and Uncertain Future of Handwriting. It is published by Bloomsbury. When we first learned to write uh, in, uh, in print, uh, and then comes longhand. Um, what, did printed letters come first in the history of writing? Well, in, in American education, you really don't have people being taught printing or cursive or, or longhand. I think cursive and longhand would be synonyms um, until about the mid-1800s. Um, so it's fairly recent. Um, and students were... But John Hancock knew how to write quite well before then. Absolutely. But not everybody was going to school. And in colonial America and, and early, uh, you know, late 18th, early 19th century America, a lot of women were not taught to write. And you say that in colonial America, an interesting paradox started to form that, to some extent, is still around, that uh, the more educated and illustrious you were, the worse your handwriting was supposed to be. That's right. It was a marker of your prestige and importance to have sloppy handwriting, which I think still obtains today to a large degree. Although there were those people, the kids who were praised, 
when I went to school because they did perfect Palmer method. Absolutely. Palmer method was, was you know, what everyone learned uh, for, you know, about 50, 60 years in America. And it was, you had to do just hours and hours of drills. It was uh, very standardized, routinized, um, uh, difficult script to master. And you, the goal was to have your handwriting look exactly like everyone else's. And th- that was something, of course, that... Uh, well, first of all, it's almost impossible for us to do unless we have no personality. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you try really hard, you can emulate a, a copy, right? And are there people who actually write in that almost anonymous style? Absolutely, still? absolutely. And we look to it today as a beautiful hand. What beautiful handwriting! But also, it's it's not a unique uh, to that person. Let's take a call from Phyllis from Westchester. Hi, Phyllis. You're on the air. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I find this very interesting. Well, I'm so pleased that you do, Phyllis. That was what we were <laughs> well, hoping I, I'm, I'm would happen. I'm an old happen. school person, so I am a kerchief writer, and I'm very proud of my handwriting, and I may take your uh, challenge about writing about the quick-bound fox. Okay. Um, what I, I was a little mortified. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who had sent her son to pick up something and use her husband's credit card, and he was going to write... Uh, his signature to pick up whatever it was that they were getting. And the son, who is 19, says, Mom, I don't know how to write in kerchief. So she had to basically teach him. She, he said, the only thing I know how to write is my, my own signature. And she, she said, didn't you learn this in school? And he said, no, we're, they're not teaching kerchief or script in school anymore. Is that true? So in in 2010 the common core was passed and they did not they do they do not require schools to assess students on cursive. Uh, many states are now putting that back onto the requirements. So it will vary school to school and state to state, but not every school is teaching cursive. That is true. I, I just think that's really I, I mean I'm writing it and then someone else can't read it. Well, I, he, are you sure he can't read it or that he just can't write that way? Well, if if he can't write it, he maybe he can't read it either. There's That's not really true. It's pretty easy to read cursive even if you can't write it. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a huge uh, surge in cursive writing in, out there in the world and in cursive fonts. So, so people can read cursive even if they can't write it. There is right now a big debate. In fact, the New York Times published a whole bunch of letters uh, about the the idea that perhaps with computers and the way the kids are learning how to write these days, there is no need for cursive. But uh, for someone like me, maybe it's because I'm old-fashioned, I just can't imagine writing a personal note to somebody in uh, Helvetica. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, it's strange and threatening. It's, it's a big change. But there is not much practical utility to cursive and your friend's 19-year-old won't have many occasions to use it. Uh, So it does raise a question of whether a lot of school time should be spent teaching it. Let's take another call. Uh, Diana from Chelsea. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, yes. I've always been curious about, um, we, you know, from first grade on, I, I went to parochial school. We were all taught uh, the, our, our ABCs with three lines and the dotted line in the middle and the capital letter went to the top line and the small letter went to the, went to the little middle line. 
and and you were graded on this um, all the time. And then, and so where where along the line does do it, do we develop our own style, our our own handwriting, where where your signature is kind of your um, identity? Everyone's taught it exactly the same way, but then it changes. We see this on the Declaration of Independence. No two signatures are alike. That's true. But they weren't being taught the Palmer method at the time. No, they can, weren't. They can were. we usually spot the fact that uh, somebody went to Catholic school by the by how much? Uh, their writing looks like the Palmer method? You can definitely, I think you can spot uh, who the elementary school teacher was and the, and maybe the age of that teacher and the training um, by, how a, by how a student was taught, how uh, precisely they were drilled uh, to get those letters right. Diane, how uh, different is your handwriting today from what it was when you were learning to write in elementary school? I still kind of curve it toward the to, toward the right. Um, my last name starts with an M. Still don't like it. I still experiment with it sometimes, and I wonder sometimes if if it'll ever be questioned. If that's not your signature, um, I do, and I wanted to just make one one other comment as far as being taught uh, the the cursive style. I've always kind of had because this is a subject I've always been interested. I've always you know the children. I think kids today know the alphabet before they go to first grade because of Sesame Street and, and preschool and so forth. But you learned how to print in first grade, and then in third grade we were taught the, the cursive style, and my, I've always had this theory that I think one of the reasons so many people have such bad handwriting, or what is, would be considered bad handwriting, is because you're giving like kids with these little, these little hands this big pencil and, you know, forcing them to... to you know, to follow and have the letters be connected. And I just, like, do it in fifth grade, or it seems like, why does it have to be done so early? <laughs> because we learn better when we're younger. Well, no, it's a very good point. I mean, handwriting is basically a fine motor skill, and kids are still developing their fine motor skills at that point, and girls develop fine motor skills earlier than boys. And so because we in America teach cursive at such a young age, there is this idea that, you know, this idea that girls are better at handwriting than boys, and that's really a fine motor skill issue in previous times people did learn later in life, and so their fine motor skills were more developed. Aren't there other issues? For example, left-handed people are more likely to do a back slant? Sure. You have you know issues of, of being left-handed. You have a lot of people who have difficulties with hand, who dip, have fine motor skill difficulties, um, who, who find you know dysgraphia. Um, there's a lot of uh, children who can't master it because of disabilities, and, and they are... Uh, assessed more you know poorly because of it how closely can it be linked to art because a lot of artists write have beautiful handwritings and architects are actually trained to have good printing skills absolutely i mean i it is a fine motor school it's very similar to drawing to art to to you know architectural uh, printing and uh and there is definitely a strong correlation there it's a, there is no correlation between knowledge uh, you know how intelligent you are, but definitely your art, you know visual artistic drawing abilities. There's a correlation. Pam from Elmhurst, New Jersey. You're on the air. Hey there. How are you? We're well. I have a very interesting story that has fascinated me, and I wanted to run it past your expert. I surreptitiously was looking online 
for my father to look up something for his grandfather. So it's my maiden name. And I come across not only the news article, but a violin maker. My son was starting to play violin. I thought, oh, that's interesting. There's a, a violin maker by the same name, and the name is Caporel. And I went and looked at it, and I thought, that's an interesting thing. And I contacted him. He makes violins in Japan. Just emailed him to find out about his violin maker. A violin maker or an instrument maker will put a tag inside the sound hole with their signature that they are the creator of that instrument. That signature is precisely the way I write my name. And I don't mean just um, the spelling of the name, the shape of the letter, the curve of the letter, the, the hastiness in the, in the name. He writes his name exactly the same way that I do. Do you think you were a violin maker in a previous life? No. <laughs> I think genetically there's a piece huh. of our fine motor skills. I think and there you're, is. You're, you're nodding, Anne. Yeah, I think there is some small genetic um, element to it. I, I'm not an expert on that, but but I think you may be right. I mean, yeah. Maybe it was why I was. It was so easy for me to forge my mother's hand <laughs> signature when I when I wrote notes explaining my absence from school, right. and my mother had no idea that I had taken the day off. Good for you. Uh, well, let's go now to Ellie. Is it from Jericho? Oh yes. Hello. Go ahead. Hi, I'm a sixth grade teacher, and I noticed two interesting stages. When I started, when I was in third grade myself, we were taught cursive. It was reinforced in fourth grade, and then after that, that was really the end of it. We got to seventh grade, and our teacher told us that we were not allowed to write in cursive anymore, probably because the print was easier for him to read. Um, when I began teaching sixth grade, um, I started in a new school. I handed out a student contract for the first day of school. And at the bottom, there was a line for signature. A number of the students asked me, what are we supposed to do here? I told them to sign your name. They said, we don't, I, we don't know how. I could not believe it. Um, but sure enough, a little later in the year, not only could they not write their names in cursive, I brought in a copy of the Declaration of Independence. And a few of them were looking at it and trying to make out letters as though it was a a second language that they had learned at some point in elementary school, and those who could figure out the letters were kind of showing off that they could read a word or two there. Well, I find it very difficult to read the Declaration of Independence. It is a very difficult script to decipher. Um, it's not used anymore. It's not familiar. Um, you know, most scripts that have been used just in English uh, are, are no longer legible to us today. And there are experts who spend years studying how to decipher scripts so that they can tell us what they read. So, S's sometimes look like F's, absolutely. modern F's. Yes, yes. And it's, I mean, just to use the example, I mean, don't read the top lines, which we know by heart. But if you go to the middle of the Declaration of Independence and you go to your computer to see it, you know, digitized online, it is very difficult to read. Let's take a call from Douglas from Huntington. Hi. Hello. Okay. Well, I, I was wondering about the return to the stylus. These days, day, uh, uh, tablets and, uh, and uh, phones like certain types of Samsungs come with styluses. Are we returning to... Uh, the ancient Sumerians? <laughs> well, it, it is great, right? I mean, when you look at these clay tablets that were that were done in Sumer, and, you know, they were, they're cool to the touch, they're palm size, you have a stylus that you, you, you know, marked on, it's very similar with to what, you know, people are on the, on the street doing with their iPhones right now. Um, so there is this funny return. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of um, 
initiatives now to allow styluses to be used on screens and you know people want to be able to have that ability to to write on a screen and then have it be digitized uh, and then transcribed on into fonts we're going to sneak another call in here rosemary from stuyvesant town hi you're on the air hi i love this program i'm a retired school teacher 76 years old taught cursive five years i have three little comments one for personal style, I keep to cursive, but I have imitated Robert Kennedy's F, like in Frank. His F went down, but he never took the loop back up again. And I just do that. I, I guess it's a secret admiration of him. Anyway, the other thing is, it's fun to write supercalifragilisticexpialidocious because you don't pick up your pen to dot the I or cross the T until the end, which is what cursive is all about, saving time right. to just keep writing, writing, writing. And um, some schools, private, private schools, I went to parochial, so I'm not talking about parochial. Uh, they begin with cursive, not with printing. Uh, and I once, in my business with the New York City Board of Ed, bumped into a gal who was older than me, and I said, oh, your writing is so gorgeous, you must have gone to Catholic school. And she said, no, she had gone to public school. She'd probably be about 90 now. Huh. So back in the day, public school really taught cursive. And we have to leave it there, unfortunately. It's fascinating, though. But uh, my great thanks to Anne Trebek for joining us today to talk about The History and Uncertain Future of Handwriting. That is a title of her book that's published from Bloomberry. And uh, we thank all of you who have called in, and I thank all of you who have sent in examples of your handwriting. I think it's going to make some for some fascinating reading. Can't wait to see them. <laughs>